Shelby. Andrew, Andrew, Andrew. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How's it going, Shelby? Oh, it's going so good. I'm on day two of a four-day holiday weekend. Lovely. Never loved this country more. Uh, Shelby's in New Zealand, for those that don't know. <laughs> I am not. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a two-day weekend, although uh, I didn't have work today, actually. So, if I'll, honestly, I have a three-day weekend, just an unplanned That's one. Fantastic. Good for you. Yeah, wonderful. When your wife I... says she wants to go to Knott's Berry Farm when I'm about to go driving, you, you go to Knott's Berry Farm. That's just what you do. That's yeah. what the rules say. Absolutely. Yeah. I do find it interesting. New Zealand is not a religious country. Of course, and it's like colonial roots. Right. For sure, there was definitely religion. But now it's like a current, you know, 21st century place. It's it's not religious. And yet, we get Good Friday off. We get the Monday after Easter off. And there's even um, liquor laws about selling alcohol on Good Friday. That is is wild. For some reason. No one really gets it or agrees with it, but there it is. Just on Good Friday. Just on Good Friday. Not Easter, though. Nope. Yeah, I mean... Not that I know of. You want to celebrate on Easter. Good Friday is like the... Like you should, no alcohol you should be for sad. anyone. You shouldn't. Yeah. Like you have the day off, but don't. It's not for a piss up. Don't do that. <laughs> I'm laughing, don't, but kiddies, I, don't I feel do uncomfortable laughing while doing this. <laughs> Maybe that's my oh, old, yeah. old uh, religious self. <laughs> like it's a, some it's old religious guilt. I, I don't think I have much religious trauma compared to maybe you or a lot of people. So I, I won't complain too much. But um, but yeah, there, there was definitely some guilt and laughing right there. Uh, and I'm just going to work through it on this podcast called Trip It To yeah. Me, a travel-centric uh-huh. uh, show where we uh, talk about being a good tourist among about... Approximately 53 minutes to an hour and 20 minutes of something else before we do that. Uh, Approximately. Approximately. Uh, Speaking of alcohol, Shelby, what are you drinking? I am drinking a bulbous glass of red wine. Wonderful. Which I understand that I gave more of a descriptor about the glass than the wine. The wine is fine. It's, um, It's a Syrah. It's red. It's totally drinkable. But I quite enjoy these glasses. They're good fun. Have I? I'm sure I have over our 60-some episodes. But the the office quote about about wine, have I talked about that? I, it's hard to know if you've talked about it on the podcast or if you've <laughs> sure. just, like, you've talked about it in life. Right. And why, don't, why don't you share? Anytime you start to describe wine, I think about, I think it's the, uh, the dinner party episode where Jan and Michael in the American office, Jan and Michael invite uh, a few people over to their house for dinner. Maybe it's a different episode, but anyway, no, it is a different episode. Sorry. But, um, but Michael is sipping a, a glass of wine and being kind of the idiot he is. It sips it and then says, has sort of an oaky afterbirth. 
And uh, <laughs> and I always, you anytime you hold up the glass of wine to the to the video recording, I just want to say that every mm-hmm. every single time. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sure I've told this story at least six times on the podcast, and and will again in approximately like twelve episodes. So yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, as mm-hmm. you said, it was decent wine in a lovely glass. Yeah, that's yeah, that's about it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, not much more to report. It's fine. Okay. Yeah. What are you drinking? Uh, margaritas. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I found another place that does take out margaritas, and it's Chili's. <laughs> 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 and I think that's hilarious. And I um, and I got I got a few, and it was on the way home. I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll stop. Why, Why not? not? Melissa got pastries from a different place. I'll stop for margaritas. So I still am just slightly baffled by the idea of like takeaway cocktails. Yeah. Like I just in my brain that's just a really illegal, but it's not. It's well, I yeah, I don't know what the there's gotta be some rules at some point. Um I mean, like as long as you're not drinking them. Like how does that work with like an open container law? I exactly. Um yeah. I think if I'll show you, um, if if you subscribe, you could see this video right now. Um, it's only seventeen dollars a month, but they put little um, stickers over the uh, the cup, and that's probably how they get away seal. with it. Yeah, it's so not if you a get seal, pulled over. That that police officer is going to be like, "Oh, let me see those chilies." Take away margaritas. They're gonna be like, "Oh, this, the stickers busted on this one." You, you been having a little sippy sip? Well, right. you, uh-huh. That's right. And then they're gonna arrest you, and then they're gonna finish your margarita, and then they're gonna take you to jail. That's correct. Um, yeah. I, two things. I like how the officer knows that they're margaritas from Chili's. Yes. He, yes. I didn't tell him, but he, um, by the way, I, this is not me in this scenario. Uh, <laughs> I have never done this, and I never will. Um, <laughs> this is a fictional, hypothetical story. Yes. And two, I watched the first episode of season two of Euphoria last night. Um, and I probably won't finish it, because I don't no. think I like the show at this point. But yeah, Do we need a wellness check? How you doing, Betty? Oh, I'm fine. I watched the first two. Um, uh, yeah. In a row? Yeah. It was <laughs> fine. Um, okay. But I don't think I enjoyed myself, so no. uh, so I probably yeah. won't continue. Um, but there's that scene where Sidney Sweeney's character is riding in the passenger seat as that one uh, jerk drives very fast while sipping his uh, glass of, or not glass, but bottle of beer. Bottle of beer, yeah. And boy, is that uh, scene yeah <laughs> like i yeah. was so uncomfortable but also like, it was pretty cool <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> i gotta be honest <laughs> for a while i was so like nervous and so just don't do this no 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 and by the end of it i was like okay <laughs> this is this is a cool scene i'm in i'm oh, into this now wow yeah. i mean that's yeah that it's it's a scene for sure. I, th- I think um, I went through the same emotions that Sydney Sweeney did in that scene. You probably went yeah. through all of the emotions of like 
grief, like acceptance and at the end, yeah. and, but you went through like bargaining, like, oh, God, right, please right, stop. Right. And, you know, it probably just cycled through all of those a few times. And grief, the, the cycles of grief famously end with, oh, this is cool at the end. So Yeah, this is great. I love this. <laughs> Let's do it again. <laughs> um, in New Zealand, there okay. is no open container law. So if you want to drive down Don't the road like with a beer in your hand. Okay. Cool. People people do it. Oh. Uh-huh. Seems problematic. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to Kiwi drinking culture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Fun fact for you. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. It, it has been, uh, we agreed about 17 years since we started, reco- since we last recorded. Yep, yep. Uh, this is not in the order of the episodes, but the last one we recorded was their birthday episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot has happened. I went to Tennessee and Washington and California and then got sick. Shelby, I assume, has just been sick the whole time because that's what she does. And Basically, yeah. yeah. Now Ben's sick. Uh-huh, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, a lot a lot has happened. Uh, are you doing all right? <laughs> are you hanging in well, there? Well, there hasn't been another cyclone, so that's good. Good news. Um, otherwise, yeah, things have been a bit shit. I, you know, it's funny. It's really funny. I was like, you know, oh, this year's not so bad. Like, we're doing pretty good. Oh, we're just, we just hit a tough spot. And then I think you were like, Shelby, this year has been horrible for you. (laughs) And I can't stop thinking about it now. And I find that. (laughs) Maybe I shouldn't have said it. No, I think it was very validating. I was like, oh, yeah, like... The year started with some, like, really awkward kind of friend drama on a trip that was just here, and then she left abruptly, and then we got hit with a cyclone, and I've had two different parental units in and out of hospital in the last two weeks, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, Andrew was totally, what have I been smoking for the last three months to make me think that this has been okay? So have you been smoking? Maybe that explains why you've been sick Maybe for that four explains months. It. Maybe that explains that. I mean, there's been a, a decent amount of wine, but n- no more than usual, no, I don't think. No. I mean, we no. celebrated our one-year anniversary, and I don't I don't think there's been any more wine in 2023 than there was in 2022. Uh, yeah, which maybe yeah. isn't necessarily saying anything, but... Maybe it is. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> I'll it let is. you figure that out. Maybe it is. <laughs> Maybe, maybe there's just a lot of wine because life's real tough. Yeah. Maybe that's just what that is. Maybe. And did have you like tracked how many miles you have traveled in the last month? I think that would be really interesting. And so I got home April 2nd. In there, I went to, I mean, we could do it on air if you want. In there, I, I flew from L.A. to Hawaii. Um and back, which is approximately 2,500 miles. Okay. So that's that's 5,000 miles round trip. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then LA to, to Nashville is... So this is thrilling, I'm sure, for everybody. Um, oh, no. Do you have any filler here? I, I know what the I'm, Seattle to LA miles is. That's about a thousand. Uh, we'll, okay. we'll go nine nine fifty. Go nine fifty on okay. that one. And then I just looked up 
um, Nashville to Seattle. Okay. From Nashville, you went to Seattle, and that's about twenty four hundred miles. Okay, and and then I have um, L.A. to Nashville is eighteen hundred. So we had five thousand. <laughs> I'm glad did either of us. Eighteen hundred, <laughs> so sixty eight, and then twenty four. Uh, 68, 88, 92, and then like a, th- like a thousand. So like, that's like 10,000 miles. Yeah. Uh, we did it, everybody. Um, we did it. And yeah, it's, it's Congratulations. Been, you've you've I, traveled 10,000 miles I in the really month. tripped it to myself. Um <laughs> Left. Yeah, I tried to I tried to slide right by. It's <laughs> it's been a lot. Uh, it's been a little weird too. I mean, I think all of the trips have been uh, fun, if not more. Like uh, all of them by them by themselves. Like taking them right. as, as one trip has been fun. I don't know. I'm not sure. Like any of these trips have been. Ones that like I would plan for myself, so it's a right, it's a right. little weird. Like usually, I'd be super excited that I went ten thousand miles in a month. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's been good and good to see family. All of them have included family in some form or fashion, and and uh, and yeah, there's been some good times. Went to a wedding. Obviously, I talked about Hawaii. Um, I think three or four episodes ago and, and that was, uh, that was a lot of fun. And, and then being in Washington for a week was, uh, it was, it was relaxing and, and good to see everybody. I went to some baseball games with my brother and, and yeah, we had a, we had a good time. So, um, yeah, it's, I'm glad to be home, but also it's, it's been pretty fun and only, Somewhat stressful. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're glad that you're home. I'm glad I'm home. We can record. We can record a podcast. I know. We like doing that sometimes. Yeah. I got home and two days later, abruptly got sick. Like, like just, I felt awful and I hadn't felt That's that just way. how it, how it I, goes. I know. And it was, thankfully, it was only like a 24-hour bug. But, it, yeah, it was not pleasant. Usually when I get yeah. sick and sick to my stomach, like, I, I have a pretty weak stomach. So fill in the blank there for those that um, uh, that want to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but this time it was just like, no, my stomach's just going to ache. And, uh, <laughs> and then you're just going to be in agony for 24 hours. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I did not like <laughs> Super. it. Super. Yeah. Super. So uh, that's just typical, eh, though. You just get you get sick on when you get back home from a big trip. It it's true. It is, and so many people. I don't know if this is worldwide or feels like it's all of America right now. Like half the half the nation is sick, um, because again, we hadn't really been outside and hadn't had a flu season in quite some time, mm-hmm. and and now everyone's getting this like twenty four to three day twenty four hour to three day. A flu and and it's just kind of gross. Horrible. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Yeah. Oh, good times. Good times. Wonderful. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I uh, I have a, a segment for us. Perfect. Um, 
This one's exciting because usually with this segment, I can't say with a lot of certainty what, what's happening, um, but I have uh, what my neighbor is watching. And because I've actually seen this movie, there were some clues to help me identify it. Um, I know definitively what my neighbor is watching. Forgetting um, Sarah Marshall. <laughs> if only. Um, that would have been a better choice than this movie, <laughs> let me tell you. Would you like um, some gradual hints? and Oh, that'd guess? be great. Yeah, that'd be fun. Okay. Okay, so um, I could tell when she paused it. Um, so for those of you who haven't maybe listened before, um, when I look out of my office window, it, it, it looks a bit into my neighbor's living room, into her lounge. And I'm not trying to be creepy, but there's a screen but on. But Shelby is naturally creepy, so. Naturally, naturally creepy. You can ask my mother when I was a child, if there was a TV on in the room, no one would have my attention because I would just be locked into that TV screen. So it's really hard to not pay attention to what she's watching. Yes. Are you still that way? Oh, yeah. Yeah? There are times when Ben tries to have a conversation and the TV is going and I'm like, I, I cannot handle this. Please turn mm. the TV off. Like, so happy to have this conversation, but I cannot focus sure. on what you're saying and it's driving me crazy because i feel like i have to do both and i can't <laughs> yeah very yeah. much and like in and it depends like if it's on really quiet or if it's something i don't care about that's on tv or something like that then i can t i can tune it out but if it's like our show and yeah anyway okay so it's a netflix movie is hint number one okay um it came out last year 20 20 um, Two. Uh, 22. Um, White we Noise. We both have... No, but okay. we both have seen this movie. Red Notice. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, falls more into the sci-fi thriller category. Oh, oh, what was that one? I know, I know. Um, you I did, didn't did. like it at all. You sort of liked it, but didn't really. Um, yeah. Spiderhead? Spider... Yeah! Yes. Uh huh. Yep, with Miles Teller and Chris Hemsworth and Journey Smollett, who she was delightful. She was the best part of the movie. Um, I do not yeah, remember. So that's, that's, <laughs> I believe that's, you. Um, but... That's what my neighbor's watching. Although I have to say, uh, her living room has now gone dark. So either she's closed the curtains or she has decided the movie's not worth finishing. <laughs> you, you I, can, I can relate, neighbor. Yeah, you can take your bet as to which one it actually is. <laughs> uh, thank you. Wonderful. Thanks for playing. That was fun. I have a little segment that I've done once before. Wow. Um, and I think it was like the second episode of, of this podcast. So we're bringing it back. Um, Andrew tries to get Shelby to like sports. I'm not <laughs> sure this actually fits, but I, it's just a little... A little tidbit that I think Shelby will be excited about. the Both the men and the women's March Madness Final Four NCAA tournament, whatever you want to call it. The basketball tournament happened, obviously, in March. And uh, just finished. And the, um, the women's Final Four got higher ratings than it ever has before by like I don't know. It's not quite tenfold, but it's like in, by incredible amounts, like doubled of what it's ever gotten. And I think I've heard more like sports people talk about the women's final four than the men's. And um, part of it is because there's an incredible player who scored 
just she's amazing. She is one of the best college basketball players I've seen on like either side, guys or girls. Um, and but it honestly feels like um, a kind of a breakthrough for women's sports, uh, especially basketball, which I I understand sort of the stigma. I'm not sure I agree with it. I've watched enough like really bad girls high school basketball to like get it. I, I don't really want to watch it, but there's a there's a completely different level that it's taking. I think when a lot of people watch sports, they want to see people do things they can't, like dunk a basketball. And obviously, not a ton of women can do that. Um, uh, some can, which is amazing and incredible. But, uh, I mean, not a lot can. Um, not a lot of guys can, either, for the record. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but, um, but this, this woman, her name's Caitlin Clark, she plays for Iowa. Her team ended up losing, actually, but um, she can do things that most most humans can absolutely not, and uh, it's incredible. And and yeah, it got higher ratings than like a lot of big time football games in the last year. And yeah, it's it was really exciting. So there you go. That is exciting. Uh huh. Now they just need to get paid as much. Well. Technically, in college, no one gets paid, so they all need to get paid something. <laughs> right. Yes. I was reading, and I say reading, I read part of the episode and then kept going because I didn't actually hear that much, but was reading something about, like, sponsorship and yes. college athletes. They can do that now. And, yeah, and, and so even though they're technically not getting paid, it's there still is, like, a, a gap. Just because of the culture and just because sure. men will get sponsored. So, yeah, I was, well, I mean, again, didn't actually read the article because yeah. I was in sports. I imagine people on the the women on these basketball teams probably get some of that. It's called NIL, um, name, image, and likeness money. Um, but I imagine a lot of other teams don't. Um, and it just has to do with... Who wants to sponsor them versus who want who doesn't? The schools can't like the schools technically aren't allowed to offer player uh, their players money. It can't come from the schools at all. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, naturally, in America, football is kind of king, and mm-hmm. so they will probably reap the most nil money. But um, but yeah, I, I do think women's basketball is making. A lot of uh, ground and and women's softball to a degree is is becoming pretty big. I would say women's college softball is nearly as big as mm-hmm. men's college baseball. So, um, yeah, there's um, there's a lot of progress being made, partially because the players are amazing, but also I th- I think just legitimate legitimate interest from people that yeah. used to not give it a chance. Or pe- new people in positions that, yeah, yeah, that formally Which existed. I think makes a lot of sense, right? Because as culture shifts, it's not just like it's so multifaceted. Like, if the sports world is more accessible to women, then there will be more women players. There will be more women fans. 
So then more of an audience base for female sports, but also more women in authority when it comes to, you know, media, you know, and, and all of the, all of the ways where sports gets promoted. So that'll be exciting to see, you know, and even in 10 years or 20 years, it could be quite different. Um, yeah, well, like, that's cool. I mean, it's way different than it was ten years ago. There are yeah, plenty yeah. of females on pro men's pro sports um, coaching staffs or or training staffs or or anything. I mean, the it's increased by more than a hundred percent. I'm sure because there used to be none. Um, yeah. So mm-hmm. so yeah, it's um, it, it's exciting, and I'm sure it's only going to grow at this point there's no reason why it would shrink so Hmm. very cool yeah well i'm not sure i'm gonna watch a women's basketball game but that's because i'm just probably not gonna watch a basketball game but i do find that interesting it's exciting Mm -hmm. yeah all right we have another segment that has absolutely nothing to do with that Absolutely nothing at all. But it's um, oh, I forgot. I was gonna do these with you, because um, you did you did one of. Do you want to explain this segment? Yes, yes. So I the first time we did this segment was for our birthday episode. Yes. Uh, so that was the the very start of it. So this is only the second time that we've done this segment. But Andrew has a segment things things I don't understand, and it's it's stuff that he doesn't really want to understand and so this is kind of a similar one this is lyrics that don't make sense yeah i I think the first one we both gave one right we did and i think they were they were very different but they did not make sense and you know andrew had asked if when a lyric doesn't make sense if that affected how i liked the song or not and i don't think it does but i do think that some of these lyrics have stuck with me and I like keep pondering because they just don't make sense. So this is another one of those. Um, this lyric is, but I set fire to the rain. And then it continues the stanza is, but I set fire to the rain, watched it pour as I touched your face while it burned while I cried because I heard it screaming out your name. And this is from Adele's Set Fire to the Rain. Of course. And I enjoy this song. I very much enjoy this song. This lyric doesn't fucking make any sense at all. <laughs> How do you set fire to ra- I don't... What? And then you watched the fiery rain pour because it was screaming out... I... What? I understand the rain metaphor. I understand the, the burning, you know, because it's the pain and it's the yeah, breakup. I think it's, it's just a blend know, of those metaphors. But they don't... What did you do to the rain to make it go on fire? I just imagine, like, in a studio set where they have, like, a rain machine, and then they just put, like, a little bit of gasoline in there, and then it just goes up and, like, who who signed that off? How much insurance did you have to pay for that, Adele? Like, uh, that doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, I don't think she was trying... Okay, yeah. <laughs> So this is this is my lyric that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You can't set fire to the rain. It's this is a hot take, but of Adele's hits, that that's my least favorite by quite a ways, honestly. But I mean fair enough. Yeah, I never I never really got into that song. Yeah. Can I uh add one to the segment and and um maybe tweak it a little bit? 
can, can I can I give you a lyric that on the surface doesn't make any sense, but mainly I'm I'm telling you it because I want to see your reaction. <laughs> yes. Uh, I will give a caveat. This is one of my favorite songs, like maybe of all time. I was carried to Ohio in a swarm of bees. I never married, but Ohio don't remember me. <laughs> okay. Okay. The idea of being carried by a swarm of bees makes me so uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, oh, I just, all of the wing fluttering, you would just feel all of the fluttering. <laughs> you know one of those guys would sting you on accident. Oh, yeah. You. Yeah. Do you think they're voluntarily carrying the person? Oh, no, that's an even worse thought. If they're just, like, being forced to manipulated to they didn't want to they're like oh this fucking guy he wants a ride to idaho who does he think we are i think it's i think it's ohio but yeah oh right ohio (laughs) yes that's even worse because depending on where you're from that's a longer distance yeah i of course goodness goodness yeah ouch it's got to hurt and then i what was it i fell in love but i never married but ohio don't remember me the butt gets me on this sentence. I, like, the, those things are not related. <laughs> yeah, not at all. I don't think. It's a great song. It's called Blood Buzz Ohio by The National. But um, That is a great title. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very good. It's about money and, <laughs> and maybe the financial crisis. But uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> did, did you not marry because of the bees? Was there just too much it's trauma just, there? It's just the bees. It's just the she bees. was a beekeeper, and uh, <laughs> and it just didn't work out. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 She took the queen bee hostage and forced the little minions to Man. carry you to Ohio and yeah, it's dark and then stuff. You got there and you said, "I don't like Ohio," <laughs> and then she got mad. Okay. <laughs> wow. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. All right. What have you what have you been up to, Andrew? Uh I saw John Wick four. <laughs> I'm saying yes, that yes, while laughing yes. because it makes me so happy. <laughs> oh, I love I love the John Wick movies, specifically the first two. The third one's good, but not nearly as good as the first two. Uh and now the fourth one's out. If you're unfamiliar with John Wick, uh, you should watch them if you like action movies. And um, they star Keanu Reeves, who, uh, I'll spoil it at this point, but just barely. uh, Some things die in the first movie and he's out for revenge. And and that's what the series is about, essentially. I have four movies, (laughs) roughly roughly like 11 hours. I, your use of some things die. <laughs> I, it's <laughs> really one thing, and I, but I didn't want to spoil it. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, it's it. They are some of the most daring, interesting action movies. They've they've turned the phrase "gun fu" because it's a mix of like a very gun heavy movie, but while adding in sprinkles of kung fu and martial arts. Um, this one leans pretty heavily into the kung fu 
uh, chapter four that is, and it's it's incredible. It's really an epic. I think when they started making this, um, they weren't sure if there'd be another one. And I mean, you, you're never sure at this point if there will be another one. There probably will be because this one did very well, and uh, and it it just set out to be an absolute epic. And it's almost three hours, which usually I'm not for. This one didn't feel like it was anywhere close to three hours. So good job on them. The the set pieces are incredible. Like there are probably th three or four different times where it's like a 15 minute scene and it's just action. And like it is shocking what what they do in some of these scenes uh and they go a lot of different places i think it starts well not well yeah it starts in and i don't know if they shot this one on location but it starts in like arabia traveling across some sand dunes and then and then we get to osaka japan and then we go to new york and then we end up in paris and it is wow it yeah and it looks awesome um he traveled way more than ten thousand. yeah yeah he got me there uh bill skarsgård plays the villain uh delightful yeah and he is really good he's just eating it up and dressed in his like um, incredible suits and and like just living his best life there are it's almost like a video game setup where it feels like there's bosses to defeat at every mm. location until you get to the final boss. It feels like that to a degree, but that's probably selling the plot a little short. Uh, there, there's a bit that happens. There's always some good world building in these movies. Um, that said, like the, this movie gets by on its action and doesn't really need anything else. I think I told you, Shelby, I'm not sure Keanu Reeves says more than a hundred words in this movie. And it's, <laughs> he's the main character like, and it's not, and it's almost three hours long. Like he, I don't know if he said a sentence that was more than like six words, uh, oh my God. <laughs> which is incredible. Um, wow. Yeah. And I wonder if that like sets a record or anything. <laughs> I, I don't know how to check, but I would be curious to find out. He, um. Keanu Reeves is very cool and always has been, and he, he just kind of leans into it, and and good on him. These are physical movies, and he is uh, 60, if not, I think he's right around 60, and he is, um, I mean, these have to take a toll on your body. It's incredible. There's one set piece, and then I'll stop talking about it, but... There's one set piece. I won't give too much away, but they they shoot it from above, uh, and it's it is. Uh, I haven't seen anything like it in a movie before in an action movie. It is so captivating and, and just a. It, it was like ten minutes of just my jaw dropping and and just feeling like a, a guy's guy like oh my gosh what is happening he is <laughs> he has this massive gun that's lighting people on fire and yeah it's 
it was an incredible like feat to make i think so uh yeah really good i i mean it, it again it's kind of an epic and it if if you don't like action movies you probably won't like it but um but other than that if you enjoy them at all i i think you probably will so yeah i wonderful i, I don't uh, the second one is still probably my favorite but um the fourth one and the first one are are neck and neck for me so hmm. yeah we should, because I know you would be into this, and as you know, I still haven't seen any of them, so we should do a marathon at some point. Yes, we should. And we can get snacks, and we can get drinks, and it might have to be over the course of, like, a weekend or several days, but that right. that would be good fun. Yeah, I I completely agree. I am game whenever you want to. Okay. Is it Ben who's not a big Keanu fan? I feel like, I don't think so. I feel like so. someone. Okay, maybe I'm making that up. I'm not sure. No, I think he likes Keanu because he also he he really likes John Wick. Oh, okay, that's maybe good. not to the extent that you do, but he right. does. Really He's like seen John Wick. them though. Yeah, I don't think. I mean, I don't. He hasn't seen the most recent one. I don't know if he's seen three. Yeah. But yeah, he's seen he's seen enough of them to know that he likes the franchise. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good job, Ben. Good people, job. People, uh, people should go see this in the theater if you get the chance. By the way, yeah, it is one of those movies for sure. Mm-hmm. Shelby, what have you been up to? Yeah. Well, the yeah. new yeah the new Scream movie is coming out. I, I'm not even sure when. Sometime this year. And it's out when here. We... It's been out oh, here. Okay. So oh, okay. So maybe soon it's soon. Then? Yeah. Right. We'll get it soon here. Uh, when we went to go see Cocaine Bear, they had like previews for it, and I saw Courtney Cox in the preview, and I was like, "That was a weird choice. Like, why would they cast her in like Scream Six? Like, that's really weird." And Ben was like, "Oh no, no, no! Like, it's a whole thing. Like." We'll, we'll watch them. And so he had never seen them before. Obviously, I had never seen them before. So we have watched four of them over the course of the last week. Two of them we watched in a row. And then we had another one a few nights later. And then another one a few nights later. And, you know, they've been a good time. They're very... They seem like good fun. Meta. Um, so they joke quite a lot about... Like, oh, if this was a horror movie, what would happen next? And that's funny and enjoyable to watch. And even though all of them do it, you know, they're like, this is the, the sequel. And there's new rules apply for the sequel. This has to happen. And this has. And that's always what happens. They, they give you the playbook before you even really get into the movie. But all of the cameo roles that they pack into these little movies it's almost impressive. Even in the last one that we watched, Kristen Bell is in the opening five minutes. No, that's right. Yeah. And I thought that was delightful and funny. And so there's just these cameo roles all over the place. So it's like, oh, well, everybody wants to be in Scream. And of course, there's there's jokes that happen throughout all of them. You know, Courtney Cox usually gets you know, punched in the face at some point during the movie. And, you know, there's just themes and stuff that get repeated and probably not as noticeable, but 
when you watch them all over the course of a week, they're all, you know, they're pretty noticeable. But I think that is why there's such a strong identity in the fan base. So that's been that's been fun. We'll go see the new one in theaters when it comes out. And I'm looking forward to it. The first ones aren't particularly scary because the first one came out in want to say it was like 93, 94, something like that. So they're not particularly scary. But this last one that we watched actually had quite a few really good jump scares. And it's all based around a few of the same main characters. So as, you know, the one main character, Sydney, as she grows up, the movies still revolve around her, but the story changes because she goes from being a teenager to being you know, a a college student to being an adult. And I enjoy the progression of that and how it's all centered around her, but her role changes. And yeah, I think it'll be, it'll be good to watch the next one in movies. I also think it's crack up because the way the, whoever is in the scream mask with like the, the robes, the cloak, they don't run like a normal person. Like, and in the first one, you're just distracted because you're like, what's going on? Who is this? Is it supernatural? Is it a person? What is happening? But I'm like, do you, do they have like a physicality coach? Like, all right, you're in the screen match. You can't just run at Sydney with a knife. You have to flail your arms. Like if you're not burning 200 calories every minute, you're not doing it right because there needs to be more flailing, more flailing. So I really like to think that someone has that job. <laughs> and that they just have to yell more flailing like 15 times a day on set. Sounds like a perfect job for you, honestly. I would, I would love yeah. that. And then throw like a huge temper tantrum and be like, you are not scary enough. Or like, <laughs> I am not getting enough wrist and arm motion. Like, I will replace you. <laughs> like, I just, that sounds perfect. like a good time. Yeah, yeah I've. I would love to watch you do that job. Yeah, was yeah. sipping my little mocha from Starbucks oh, and throw my hat on the ground and yeah, yeah, amateurs. <laughs> the first scream came out in '96, mm. and then second in '97, then 2000, 2011, 2022, and 2023. Yeah, what a weird franchise. Out. Yeah, yeah. So we have just watched the one that came out in 2011. Then. Yeah. Next one we'll watch is the 2022. So, like, quite a big jump there. Yeah. Yeah. 11 years. Yeah. Back in 2011. Speaking of music, um, (laughs) professional podcasting. What a Uh, transition. uh, I think 2023 is going to be my favorite music year in a long time. I don't want to put that expectation on it, but... All of my favorite like artists. Knock on some wood, my friend. I feel like all of my favorite artists are putting out albums this year, so things are things are looking up. Maybe I'm setting myself up for failure. But the first of those artists um, put out an album. It's Nickel Creek, and they put out an album called Celebrants. Um, and and it came out probably two weeks, three weeks ago, uh, and and I like it. Um, Nickel Creek is, is a bluegrass band, but like the poppiest bluegrass band Mm. you'll ever hear probably. Yeah. They, uh, they like to play around in different genres while playing bluegrass, I think. Mm -hmm. And 
and have always been very easy listening. Uh, I think they started way back in the 90s when they were like 16 or 17 and and then have all grown to be very good musicians. Have they yes. been around that long? I believe it was 97, but wow. I, I will look it up. Um, but they, they, they've taken, I mean, they broke up for a long time. They, t- and I, I don't know if it was really a, oh no, it was even longer than that. 89 what? is the first thing <gasps> I'm seeing. Oh my but, gosh. But, uh, yeah, I guess they put out two albums, uh, one album in 93. That was their first album. They, they actually started in California and, and played a bunch of shows around here when they were seems like they formed in 89 when they were all when the oldest was 12 <laughs> which is crazy um, <laughs> yeah so when they put out their first album the oldest of them was 16 um yeah wild uh and and absolutely yeah they, they've been they were together for until 2007 it looks like yeah and then and then took some time apart they're each incredible musicians um sarah and sean watkins who are brother and sister and then and then chris Teeley, who's the best mandolin player i've ever heard uh and yeah they they grew up childhood friends obviously and then they they took some time apart each each doing their own kind of solo thing or or chris Teeley has a band called the punch brothers who uh, also quite good and then they reunited in the mid 2010s and then uh, didn't put out an album Be- they put that they put out an album in 2014 and now they've just put out an album in 2023 so that's nine years there we go wow. uh, long way to get there but we did um this is their most ambitious album by far i think and that's pretty natural, it seems like. I mean, you make a lot of, you write a lot of songs when you're a teenager or early 20s. And I'm not sure it's easy to see a, like a through line on a album, on making a full album. That That's hard to do. And, and a lot of their albums are great, but I'm, a lot of them are like great songs. And I'm not sure they, they mm. all feel connected for better or worse yeah yeah and and for some it really works and others not not as much i don't think this is this feels very connected uh the whole album's kind of uh well it's called celebrants it's kind of a celebration of all of us getting to be back together um i think the first line in the album amounts to because i'm i don't feel like i'm quoting this exactly right but it, it basically says it's so good to see you again. Um, oh. And it's very sweet in that way, but there's this kind of unnerving anxiety that's redundant. Uh, but but it's just kind of this little tone in, in the back of the album. Like, it just feels like it. it's not... It, it's celebrating getting back together again, but it's like how much how much time do we have left? This all this all feels <laughs> it it's um yeah it, it's a little again unnerving uh, 
while being a celebration. So mm. it's very good. Uh, not as easy to listen to as their other stuff, I don't think, um, because it is more experimental and, and in my mind interesting to other people. I, I would get it if you don't like it as much. Um, uh, because I do think individual songs from their other albums are, are probably maybe a little better if you just take them as one-offs, which is kind of where we are in music culture, I think. So, yeah, it's um, it's really good. My favorite so far of the album is called To the Airport, and it has my favorite lyric of the, the year so far. Um, do you want me to read it? Yes, please. Uh, it, it, the song's about, well, it's using the air, going through airport security and getting on a plane as a metaphor of, of like making it through life essentially. But um, this this last verse goes, and for the mom running stoically through each kid on friendly gauntlet, do, doing the work of two, when the boarding process drops her off next to a child a childless man of business whose cares are few. Enough to voice his problems with her toddler on fumes. I heard her tell him off like, who the hell are you? To assess this job that you could never do, just put your headphones on, man. Then away we flew. It's, And they, they cut out some of the... Uh, they just go to harmonies on some of that, and it's... Uh, yeah, I, I get goosebumps during, during that part. It's a very good song, and... I think there's, um, I think there's a difference between like a, a fiddle and a violin, even though it's a the same instrument. Oh, this there absolutely feels, is a difference. Uh, this feels very, the rest of the album's very fiddle. Uh, I mean, like any bluegrass, this feels very like violin orchestra esque, mm. and it's it's pretty cool um, mm. what they do with the chorus here. So, yeah, I like it a lot. Um, don't know how much I'll come back to it just because it is a little harder to listen to, but uh, it's rewarding mm. to make it all the way through. So, Yeah. Yeah, there you mm. go. Thanks. And in the next, like, four months, I've got Josh Ritter, Jason Isbell, and The National all coming out with albums. So get ready for that. We don't so, talk about music a lot on this show, but you, really, we're about to. We had a movie podcast for a few months, and now yep. it's going to turn into a, a music podcast. I kept the review pretty short though. Like it was you did, you did. It was like ten minutes. So Yeah. I won't I won't make us devote full episodes to most of them. He, I'm he gonna, says that now. Okay. I, I I saved myself a little wiggle room there. Well, I said most caveat, of them. Uh-huh. Just just remember the rules. I get to make the rules for the episode, but that's fine. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Well fun for you, little fun for me, little chaos for everybody. It's a good time. Mm. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Well, right. we uh, we started watching White Lotus. Finally. Oh yes, and yes, yes, we uh, because of Netflix new rules, which may not be happening in North America, but they've really clamped down on account sharing, and we have an account with both my mom and with Ben's mom. But if you don't plug, or if you don't connect your device to the home Wi-Fi network of the main account holder, you lose your access. So, watch out, America. They're coming for you. 
what's happening here. Um, also, I, what? I, White Lotus I, is on Netflix there? No, no, no. White Lotus is on <laughs> Neon. <laughs> thank you, thank you, we've thank you. stopped so watching confused. Netflix. So we've been watching Screams. We've been kind of bouncing back to different shows. But because we no longer, we're not going to pay for Netflix because we're just mad about it. And um, and we've lost our access. So we, we can't watch Netflix now. So we're watching mostly Neon and Disney+. Plus. And so White Lotus is on Neon. And it is colorful and vibrant and chaotic. It is awkward and uncomfortable and a mess. And so far, I absolutely love it. Of course, Jennifer Coolidge is my favorite character. But there's things to love and things to truly abhor in every character, except for Belinda. So far, Belinda is the only character that, like, is just completely a good person. But every character, you've got things that are humanizing about them, things that you understand, that you relate to, um, qualities that you, you know, you value. And then they have parts of themselves that are just so completely disgusting that it is just what a wonderful time. We are only, I think we're only three episodes in and, um, we're just, I'm, I'm also like, where's Aubrey Plaza? Where, where is she? I want her. Where Not is in this she? season. Not in this season at all. <laughs> but the, the further along we go, the more I'm like, well, that's okay. I can wait. That's fine. <laughs> You're going to have to. I'm sorry. You're going to have to. There's not much yeah. choice, apparently. But I, I, yeah, I highly recommend at, at this stage. It what is an just, enjoyable show. Yeah. And it is just the right level of chaos where you're sitting there and you're like, no, no, no. But you're also like, yes, do it. Yes. Right. Embrace yeah. the chaos. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm excited for you to get, I, I like the first season. I yeah. love the second season. So I'm excited for you to get through it. I don't know if I, did I talk about it on this show? I don't remember. Um, if you did, it was very yeah. brief because you knew that it was on our radar. Right. <clears throat> yeah. It's great. I, I I thoroughly enjoyed the show. And I also love the soundtrack. It is so interesting. It's just ear candy. So and I'm I'm really enjoying the like also the what it's saying. Like cuz it actually the soundtrack m- makes a bit of a statement. And so yeah, I'll probably have more thoughts on that the deeper into the season we get, but yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. I'm excited to hear your thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we've got an episode to get to. Yeah. I mean, we're only, yeah. what, like 55 minutes in? We should probably get to the topic. That's that's not bad. I said like 53 to an hour 20. So we're, we're on, on the, the low better end. end, yeah, of that spectrum. Better end for some, worse end for others. Let us yeah. know. Trippatumi yeah. at gmail.com. Oh, wait. There is one thing I wanted to do before we got into it. We got an email from my mother. Hi, Mom. Yeah, hi, Cindy. Um, and it, it made a good point. Um, I think it was the birthday episode. I was drinking a, a blueberry Cosmic yeah. Crisp cider. And she asked if the Cosmic Crisp 
might have referred to the apples they used to make it, and I had not thought of that, and it probably probably was true. Mm. I read the can. It did not give me any it did further not. insights. It did not. You didn't do hours of research to try to figure out what apples were used in the making of that particular cider? I didn't, but I, I feel like it's got to be. I mean... It's got to be. Got to be. What's your favorite kind of apple, Shelby? I I don't think I care that much. Okay. <laughs> I like I'm sure that if given an assortment of delicious apples, I could pick a favorite, but I am really not picky at all. I could walk into a supermarket right. and you could hand me any apple as long as it's not like a Granny Smith. I'm like that'd be fine. Not a Granny Smith fan though. Well, not like just to eat. If it's going to, like, go in a dessert, something like, you know, yeah, a pie. An apple you know, pie, yeah. Yeah, then Granny absolutely. For sure. But not just, like, you know, for a snack. Right. Okay. Fuji for me, but... Hmm. Yeah. That's good. That's a good choice. Yeah. Thank you. Um. Okay. Crafted with a blend of Cosmic Crisp and Northwest Apples. There we go. There you go. North... Northwest apples it, seems like a vague. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's an actual apple called a Northwest apple, but it's like lowercase. So whereas yeah, like so crafted it's... with a blend of capital cosmic capital crisp, and then Northwest apples is lowercase. Sure. I'm sure they probably use an assortment of nondescript apples, and so they probably don't want right. to state the specifics in case. In that batch, they didn't use, you know. Yeah, for those um, that that are concerned um, and and do want to question this, Cosmic Crisp apples are made in Washington State, so they are also Northwest apples. They're they're made. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, in grown an apple factory. Well, they do go through the apple factory. Yeah, but, but a good they, call on that, Cindy. You nailed it. Yeah, wonderful. I've been to many apple factories. It's a great time in there. That is an interesting kind of brag. Yeah. Not that you mean it <laughs> as a brag, but I definitely like meant it as a brag for sure. I, I feel like if if I could say that, I would just bring it up randomly. People would be like, "Oh yeah, do you want any lunch? You know, you want to go out?" And I'd be like, "Oh well, I've been to <laughs> multiple apple factories, so I'm not really interested in." And in, in going out to lunch anywhere today because I have this apple to snack on and I'm quite what? quite happy with it. I think you're losing yourself in this one, Shelby. Or, you know, you're at a party and someone's like, oh, do you want a cider? And you're like, oh, well, I've been to multiple what? apple factories. So I actually, I really don't want a cider. Thank you, though. Appreciate look, it. Look at me withholding the information until ep- episode 67. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. But would All you right. like to, uh, you know, <laughs> give an introduction to, to our topic? <laughs> yeah. We talked about uh, traveling to places we were uh, less sure about, uh, for lack of a better term. I don't remember what exactly we titled the episode. I'll pull it up in a second. But um, Trepidatious, uh, trepidatious trips. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, places that we were... A little more concerned to go to, um, and, and things that we would 
need to prepare ourselves for a little bit more. And I think out of that episode, which happened probably in the 30s or 20s, I'll tell you in a second, um, we, we came up with an idea for how to be a good tourist and, and traveling. And we're just now getting to it. Um, it has been on the Google Doc for a very long time. <laughs> and tonight we were like, well, let's do it. So, so we're going to talk about what it takes to be a good tourist and maybe a place that you're a little more worried about going to. And, and we'll talk about what it takes to be a good tourist and a place you're comfortable with. Because mm-hmm. I think that is maybe where people get in the most trouble at times because they can get a little too comfortable and, and act like they own the place. Um, so, yeah, I, I think a, maybe a place to start since this is a travel podcast where we, where we, I mean, the idea is we plan things. When you're planning a trip, maybe, maybe take it for both locations, one you're comfortable with, one you're... Uh, one you've never been to that's in a, a place that's foreign to you. Uh, do you actively plan on, on how to be a good tourist? And then and then we'll jump into why. Like, how much time do you devote to trying to plan around being a good tourist? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I think a lot of being a good tourist is like that kind of innate self-awareness, right? Like people yeah. who are self-aware of, you know, don't... Don't walk really slowly down the middle of the (laughs) sidewalk. You know, like, don't be that person. That kind of stuff. Like, be self-aware of your surroundings, where you're at. Pay attention to what other people are doing, because that might give you some social cues. So I think some of that is stuff that you just practice in everyday life. And I think that's great. That totally prepares you for going to different places and paying attention and then being prepared to act accordingly. For but those of you that walk very slowly down the middle of the sidewalk, move. please, please, please work on it. Please, just step I to the beg side. You, yeah, you don't have you to speed do up. Just step to the side. Yeah, we're not asking you to speed Honestly. up. No one, no one wants you to run here. No, I just, just give me a little, just step to the side. Yeah. But when planning a trip somewhere that I haven't been before, whether it is a place that, you know, has a very similar cultural dynamic or it's a place that maybe has a completely different culture, is maybe more of a religious place or has different laws or rules or whatever. There's there's definitely more planning that goes into that. Um, I think uh, a great example is I was scrolling through Facebook the other night and on one of the travel pages I follow, someone had asked a question about covering up tattoos in Japan. And um, Ben and myself and Andrew and Melissa are going to Japan at the end of this year. And, um, you know, Melissa has so many tattoos that she has to cover up. <laughs> Melissa has no tattoos. Ben and I have the tattoos. And mine are fairly visible because I have them on my arms um, and, and like, my legs and stuff. So if I'm wearing shorts, you're going to see them. So um, not that I'm going to wear shorts in November in Japan. But just something to, to, to take into consideration of this is a completely different culture. Um, you know, there's there's different rules. There's different norms. So when when do you need to cover up tattoos? Is it... Um, you know, is it okay in Tokyo, but maybe in smaller cities, is it not okay? Or is it mostly when you're going to like a bathhouse or when you're going to a temple, you know, what kind of respect do you show? So I think it's something, it's hard to necessarily know what questions to ask. 
So I think part of the planning is just getting a sense for the place that you're going. Um, yeah, I think, I think had I not stumbled upon that question, I'm not sure I would have Googled, do I need to cover up my tattoos in Japan? But because I'm trying to be aware and pay attention, then that's popped up and well, now I know. So I, I do think that there, there is an element of actively planning and passively planning, just paying attention to the things that you're reading and the stuff that you pick up. What about you? I'm sort of the same way. I guess when I start planning a trip, I'll, I'll do the normal stuff you would to plan it, whether that's booking a hotel or, or flights or, or reading about places people like to go. And within that reading of, of places, and if you find websites that you enjoy, I think inevitably you'll stumble upon differences in culture yeah assuming assuming that people are like good writers and thoughtful writers or or podcasters or whatnot um so so at that point if i hear something that like i'm not used to then i then i start to research it a little bit more i think back to a time when travel guidebooks were a little bit more Mm -hmm. of a thing doesn't Mm -hmm. seem like I mean, they still exist, but I don't know how many people use them at this point. But but they always seem to devote like a chapter or two to to that. And I always found it interesting, if nothing else. I don't know. I I think the... uh, And we talked about this before, but there is a line where it's like over planning for... Like if you stressed about having tattoos and going to Japan for the next like six months, that is not worth your time. That's, like it's that's too much. it's yeah, it's it's not gonna matter really too much. Like it's good to know. Um but so I do think there's a line in there. But if I I guess what I find is doing research and then if it's a place I'm not familiar with, getting to know a little bit about the culture, whether that's through planning that I'm already doing or, or stuff that I'm seeking out and then finding out customs from there. Um, it's, it's, unless you're going someplace very exotic or, or maybe not a first world country, you know, uh, somewhere that's very different from where you are. Um, I don't think there's going to be like a zillion rules that you need to follow. There will be some, but there's not going to be as many. Um, yeah. So if you get to know what you really need to know, like, hey, you should take off your shoes here. Mm-hmm. That's what everyone does. Uh, little things like that. And then and then leaving some room for mystery, I think, is fine after you, after you feel like you know the customs um, to an extent. So um, I, I plan a little bit. I like to get familiar with it. But I think... I think anything more than just familiar with it is probably a bit excessive for me and leads to worrying that's not needed usually. I think the only exception that I would add, and we talked about this in Trepidatious Trips, is if it's a safety concern. If, you know, the cultural differences, all of that, if that is actually going to cause some friction in a way that's going to make you unsafe you know, then, then yeah, like probably more time, more research, more asking questions, um, you know, especially for 
women travelers, especially for people of color, especially for people in the rainbow community, like definitely, you know, more more time is required for that. But yeah, I think when when talking just about customs and, you know, how to be polite and respectful and how to to treat someplace like it's your home instead of like it's your doormat, then I think I think you're absolutely spot on, Andrew. Yeah. And like you said to start, there's got to be some like self-awareness in there. Yeah. Uh-huh. Some of us, I, I, I do think self-awareness can be, some people are probably born with a little bit more of it than others, but it can be crafted too. Um, so yeah. it, it's something to definitely work on. And, um, but, but if you're self-aware in your everyday life, then you're going to be self-aware on vacation too. Uh, so, and if you're, if for some reason you're like, throw caution to the wind on vacation, I'm not, I'm not, I'm here for me and that's it. Uh, change your mindset. So. Yeah. Also, yeah. maybe we don't want to be your friend. So. Yes. <laughs> you can listen to the show and try to learn something. Um, all right. So. I guess we'll, let's talk about, um. When, when you go, let, let's talk a little bit more about like customs and culture and rules. Are there ones that jump out to you in different places you've been? I mean, you've, you've been a few more places than I have. Uh, are there ones to, that you kind of look out for? And, and how did you find out about them beforehand? Or did you find out about them like in the moment? Yeah, I think both for sure. Right. I think there were definitely some... You know, I think about my time in Africa, uh, our, our translators and, and our guides there were really the ones to say, Hey, avoid, you know, like don't, don't touch people on their heads and Hey, I don't want to touch anyone on their head anyway, but it's like, it's helpful to know, like, that's really disrespectful. Like you don't, you don't do that to someone. You especially don't do that to their elders. You know, like if, um, if you were to gonna, if you were going to come here and we were going to go to a Marai, which is like a. It's a, a meeting place, it's a community space, but it's also um, spiritual, it's sacred. Um, there would be things, right? Like, yeah, you take your shoes off before you go inside. Um, you wouldn't ever um, sit on a table or sit on a kitchen bench or sit anywhere where food is being consumed because that is disrespectful. Um, you know, things like that where it's like, um, hopefully if you're going into spaces like that, You've either done your research or signs are posted or, you know, you see, oh, well, everyone else is taking their shoes off before they go yeah. inside. So I'm going to as well. Um, yeah, definitely things like that. I think a lot of it is centered around religious, either institutions, buildings, practices. So like walking the Camino, there, there weren't a lot of cultural things to consider because you know, people in Spain know that if you're walking the Camino, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're Catholic. Hmm. But if you're going to choose to go into a cathedral, if you're going to choose to go to mass, if you're going to participate, you know, there's kind of some standard things like you show your respect. You, you know, you're not loud. You're not disrespectful. You, you know, maybe if you're walking in shorts and a tank top, you, you, you know, put an extra layer on, you have a little bit more modesty, like things like that. Um, yeah. So I think it really is a combination of knowing beforehand 
and having done your research, having asked people about it and, and then reading the cues when you show up. Yeah. Social cues is a big thing. And listening to what locals say, Hmm. you know, you may not always be in an environment where locals are giving you tips or you're having conversations with people who live there. But if you are, my goodness, please listen. Please. And if and if you are not doing something correctly and someone approaches you and kindly says, hey, this is kind of what you need to do here. Just be cool and just do it. It's fine. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Hmm. I, I think you touched on religion playing a, a major factor in, in different cultures. And I guess that just blends into your respect to religion, mm-hmm. whether it's your own or not respect the local culture and, and we talk about self-awareness but be aware of the surroundings too it, it's yeah it, just look around <laughs> yeah. and mm-hmm. listen and, and i mean a lot of this is common sense uh, you you go to a temple and it's quiet don't talk loudly to your yeah. friend or, or family member it, it's not it's not hard you can we can all whisper for a little bit. Like yeah. it, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not a big deal, right? Um, yeah. So, so yeah, just respect the local culture. Consider your surroundings. All of those, those two things are, are where most of the social cues come from. I think so. Yeah, yeah, and even places, you know, maybe, maybe in your normal life, you're not a big museum goer, right? But you're in Paris and you want to go to the Louvre, like maybe that's something that you're branching out and you're trying. There's kind of etiquette that goes with that, right? Like don't bring food into a museum. You know, you probably won't be allowed to take fi- pictures inside of the museum. Um, you know, don't touch things <laughs> like things like that, that to some people who go to museums all the time, that's really right. obvious and it's commonplace. But for someone who's branching out and trying something new, like that may not be so obvious. So like really like look for signage. If you have questions, just ask someone. They'll, you know, ask someone who works there. Ask someone who's who's around. They'll be glad that you asked instead of just doing it. Um, ah, shoot. What was the other example I was thinking of? Oh, like a theater. Right. Like if if you're not usually someone who goes to the theater, but you're in London in the West End and you want to go see a show like, you know, maybe think about, you know, what the protocol is. Put your phone away, you know, turn your phone off, Um, you know, understand that, you know, everyone's going to want to go to the bathroom at intermission. So just don't even try, you know, like there's just stuff, right, that if you haven't done it before, it's going to be new. It's going to be different. You're not going to feel like, you know, all the rules, but ask questions, play it cool, especially in those, those kind of academic learning spaces like theaters, museums, universities, things like that. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I mean, don't, if you have to go to the bathroom, go to the bathroom. Like just, yeah, go to the bathroom. For sure. For sure. Uh, but, but no, no, (laughs) you're right. I, I think, I think everyone it's human nature to get pretty like uptight in a place that you're not comfortable in. But if you can just relax and, and enjoy it, I think that's a big step in, in being able to um, respect the culture, like Mm -hmm. just have a, see it, see it for what it's worth. See whatever you're seeing, whether that's a museum, 
a play, a, a cathedral or a temple or whatever. Enjoy it for what it for what it is, and then from there you're already respecting it and and watching it and um, appreciating it, and and then you'll be able to keep calm play it cool like yeah, you said Shelby yeah. and and it becomes a lot easier to just be in the moment than stressing yourself out about what should I do next okay where mm-hmm. do I go what do I do I turn here do I follow all these people or do I go where I think my google maps is telling me to go so yeah um I, I think I think just being in the moment is pretty helpful in in these circumstances well again being prepared yeah. Um, yeah, and then being and then being flexible, I think, yes. knowing that you're probably not always going to get it right, and that's okay. And knowing that you might have to kind of think on your feet, or maybe jump into something that you know you, you know, oh shoot, you didn't know that you needed to take your shoes off, but you know what, that's fine. Like we're going to be flexible, because I think in general, I know especially you know for you and me, Andrew, we try to be flexible when we travel. We make a plan, we make an itinerary, we kind of know what we want, but there's just an element of, you got to be prepared for some things to not quite go according to plan. And you've got to be prepared to, to kind of go with it. And I think this is definitely one of those situations. Even if you do all the research and the preparing and all that stuff, there might be a time when you just kind of got to go with the flow and that's all right. All right. On our trip to Japan, we, we made it to Kyoto, and the first night I was just really keen on going to this temple. Um, it was called Kiyomizu Dera, which is one of my favorite temples in Kyoto. And they were doing an, a nighttime illumination, which I had found out like earlier in the day. And, and thankfully, my travel party was like, yeah, we'll do whatever, <laughs> um, because I was, I, I was the planner there. But we get there, and it was a minimal fee to get in and, and go see the uh, most of the temple you you just walk around and it's largely outside but they had this little uh, space um, I don't know the name or, or anything but you paid I don't know maybe like a dollar or whatever the equivalent was and we you go in and I had no idea what it was but I was like yeah well, okay we'll go try it and we get in and it's just a completely dark room and you're just walking through it and like the only way you know where you're going is by following the person in front of you <laughs> and i'm sure it's enlightening to some but like we didn't know what it was we're, we're all of a sudden in this very very dark room and i and like i can't see anything i don't know where anyone is it's just it's a, a like it's a conga line of sorts to get out like that's our only way out <laughs> and and like i um at, at it's those moments where it's like just kind of enjoy this maybe laugh about it later yeah try yeah. to survive and and don't do anything stupid don't like run <laughs> out of there don't scream don't yeah. don't giggle <laughs> as for some people this is probably really amazing um 
for me, like, I don't know what this is. I, the signs were in Japanese. I, I don't understand. And um, um, I'm just going to make it through and enjoy the rest of my night. And, uh, and like, now I look back and, like, I'm laughing. It, it, was, it was funny. It was a good time. But, uh, but in the moment, I was like, what, what is going on? Yeah. What did I sign up for? <laughs> and, 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 yeah, I think, I think in those moments, you just kind of go with the flow. Be flexible, like you said. Yeah. Whether that's in a very singular moment like that or if it's a, you get lost on the way to your Airbnb and have to ask a local for help and they're pointing to things on a map because you don't speak the, sp- the same language. I'm not yeah. Yeah. speaking from experience or anything on that one either but (laughs) (laughs) well and I think that brings up an interesting point as well is language because I think when there's a bad stereotype for Americans visiting other places and not even attempting the language at all and I would like to think that people are getting better about that but I I think that's really important when you go somewhere you know learn hello, learn thank you, learn please, even if that's all you know, those are absolutely vital. And if you show someone at a restaurant who is having a really busy day, and here's this fucking tourist sitting at the table who can't order, but you can say yes and please and thank you in their language, that goes a long way. You are showing up to someone's workplace and you are asking them to accommodate you in a language that they may or may not speak. So the fact that you try really goes a long way. I remember when we went to Paris, you know, everyone told us the French are so mean, they hate Americans, they're going to be so mean to you. And we got there and we we butchered our way through the, the French language, but we tried. And, you know, they kind of giggled at us and they helped us and then they were really, really lovely. And I think... I think that that really says, like, if you make an effort, it's okay if you make mistakes as long as you put the work in. How do you how do you feel about navigating language barriers when you travel and how that affects, you know, what kind of tourist you are? I, I do think being able to say hello or uh, thank you, I think those, I think especially those two, yeah. um, if nothing else, are are very um, kind and just considerate things to do. Yeah. And, and if, I mean, I'm not sure how much anything else is going to help you that much. Um, please, uh, as well, please thank you and hello and maybe a goodbye. Yeah. O- outside of that, unless you're there for an extended time, mm-hmm. I I'm trying to think right now off the top of my head if there's like any other like single word or or two to three word phrase that's Mm. really gonna help you bathroom Um, bathroom helps yeah asking people for it is helpful which that's more of a that helps you that doesn't necessarily make anybody else appreciate you more as a tourist but that can help you yes it can um but yeah i i think learning those few words is helpful and honestly you've probably heard them before in your life if you're going to a uh europe or asia or or well well, yeah uh south america um i i also think there's something to 
just being able to um, have patience and speak kindly with your eyes and mm-hmm. and knowing how to communicate through bad um, uh, bad hand, uh, gestures. So, hand gestures. Thank <laughs> yeah. you. I couldn't think of the uh-huh. right word. Or like pointing at a map and being like, uh, or pointing at your phone. Um, I will say that Google Translate is amazing. Life-saver. and yeah. And if you get in a bind, then have that ready to go. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how many, I, in my experience, when I'm somewhere that people don't speak the same language, they are much more apt to be able to communicate with me than I am with them. Mm-hmm. And, but they do, like you said, certainly appreciate the trying or are, are touched if you even even say thank you um which i mean they shouldn't be like like that's the least we could do um so yeah no it's uh i i think being patient with the language and and learning a few of those phrases is important i yeah i i i also think um thinking of japan any asian country well most asian countries anyway like like knowing when to just like bow your head a little bit or or show a nod of appreciation which honestly is pretty universal um Mm -hmm. no no matter where you are if if you can just give someone a nod or and let them know you see them it's like a wave um people people really like to be waved at whether they admit it or not uh, do doing those things is honestly just nice and try and just being a part of where you're at uh, being a part of the culture a little bit and and showing that you're happy to be there and excited to be there i, I think that's that goes a long ways too so yeah. um yeah. whether it's actually speaking the language or communicating in in the way you can or or if again you're at a place where you're supposed to be quiet and you make eye contact with someone just like smile at them give them a nod or give them a wave it it's it's a nice thing to do and mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. will maybe enhance your experience or or maybe it's just nothing but but it's not going to be bad <laughs> like it's not going to result in anything bad probably no nah, so. no nah. yeah great Thank you. Um, this one might pertain to you a little bit more to more than me. Um, how do you prepare for like clothing and knowing what to wear? I mean, I'm I'm a very usually pants and a t-shirt guy. Shorts. Uh, I mean, there are places where you probably want shouldn't wear shorts, but I think mostly that's common sense. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so this one might pertain to you a little bit more because I think um, you are probably more versatile in what you wear than I am. Yeah, I think um, a lot of it's just the context of like, you know, what's the trip you're going on. Yeah. You know, if you're going to the Bahamas, you probably don't have to worry about it too much. <laughs> but yeah, so like with our with our trip to Japan, you know, a lot of it is is going to be you know it's going to be in winter so a lot of that consideration is kind of moot anyway because you're going to be wearing layers going to be wearing a lot of clothes anyway but yeah yeah, definitely thinking about 
you know, there will be days when, you know, when we're in Tokyo and we're in Disney, that maybe, you know, the layers mean having a tank top or a t-shirt or whatever, and that means showing tattoos. But when we're in Kyoto and we're going into temples, that, you know, that needs to be long sleeve. That needs to be a bit different. So I think for clothing, a lot of it is going to be when you're going to a religious place, especially, or when the culture is quite modest and quite, um, conservative, you know, like if we were going to go to, you know, Madrid, that would be a whole lot different than if we were going to go someplace in India, you know, like you have to, have to consider that. So I think that's a big part of it. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's mostly it. And then of course there's always yeah. that safety element, you know, if you're traveling right. by yourself or, you know, in a group of women or in a group in general, whatever, a lot of it is just how much attention do you want to draw to yourself? And is that something that's going to put you in a situation where you're not feeling comfortable? So yeah, yeah kind of layers to that question. I think clothes is, uh, uh, some of it does depend. I mean, some countries are obviously more modest than others. Yeah. Um, but you think about what you wear to like a nice restaurant at home and if you're going to some place that you think is nice then then wear nicer clothes i mean it's Just it's kind of yes yeah uh-huh. it, it's really pretty self-explanatory i think um yeah and i mean i i know in like like france it, it's i i've read i've never been maybe you can speak to this more like people dress nicer than oh, than here. We felt like such <laughs> smucks. Like right, we right. walking around in our like casual clothes because you know we were living out of a backpack. We just felt so underdressed the entire time. Right. So yeah. I mean, again, this this kind of comes with a little bit of planning. But yeah. if that's gonna make you feel weird, then throw in some nicer yeah shirts, dresses, whatever. Um, yeah, and then that maybe you won't feel awkward. But if it's not going to make you feel weird and you're not going to a place, then then it's fine. Like, yeah, be Like, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, um, I think, sorry, were, were you going to say anything else about clothing? I was going to jump into it. I was just going to say, like, a lot of restaurants will have, like, if they're nice, they'll have dress codes listed on websites and everything. Yeah. That's, like explicitly again, stated. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's pretty mm-hmm. self, again, pretty self-explanatory, but I guess kind of comes with planning ahead a little bit. Where, you, where if you're booking a restaurant and you see it, do it. Yeah. And again, if you're someone that does fine dining, you might already know that, oh, yeah. be totally in on that. But if you're branching out and doing something new, read the website. Yeah. Plan yeah. ahead. Yeah, yeah. And read like, read the room. The website really should. I'm at this point. Uh, almost all websites will say if, yeah, if you're going to a place fancy enough that has a to have a like a really fancy dress code, then um, then it should have a fancy enough website to yeah. tell you what to wear. So. Yes, yes, and fancy people love to tell you what to do, so they're gonna tell you to wear. No, I'm just kidding. I don't. I think that's actually true but they'll they'll say if they expect you to show up in you know a blazer and a tie yes. that'll tell you yeah yes yes they <laughs> absolutely will. yeah yeah uh-huh. 
And I think um I think one more thing that um sorry I'm throwing this at you and we didn't put it in the show notes, but it's just kind of You're occurred good. to me. With um it's freshly in my mind because of this episode of White Lotus we just watched, but it's also <laughs> in my which I it's also in good. my mind because um, you know, Ben and I are planning a wedding in Hawaii in a mere number of days. Um, which is very exciting. But that was one thing that we had a, a big conversation about. We chose Hawaii because it's kind of a halfway mark between my family and his. And so it was just a convenient location. But, um, you know, Hawaii has been hit really hard by COVID. Um, Hawaii has had several big changes in the last few years, which is actually quite exciting. Um, the, the tourism board has had um, some big staffing changes. So now... Uh, you know, native Hawaiians are actually on that board. It's not just a bunch of white people who then get to decide how to market the islands for other white tourists to come to, to travel. Um, You know, you run into some ethical issues when you start to think about what's happened on those islands. And so um, this is something we we might talk about more at some point or we might not. And that's all right. But, um, you know, there's there's some things in Hawaii that you probably should be aware of. And there's, I think, lots of places like this in the world where things are starting to kind of change. And when you think about, um, you know, going to Honolulu and um, the housing crisis that they're having and, you know, what what are you investing in? If you're going to go to a place, you know, can you try to buy local? Can you try to go to places that aren't franchises, which while they are giving people jobs and, and there's the argument of that, you know, they're also kind of taking the economy from people who, you know, have been there long before. So, um, you know, Hawaii's doing some really cool things about limiting the number of people at certain places in an effort to help preserve the, the landscape and the nature. They're requiring, you know, zinc-free sunscreen when you go snorkeling so that way the coral reefs will not die off. You know, there's lots of things like that that when you're there and you have the wrong sunscreen, it might feel like an inconvenience, but this is their home. This is their place, and there's, there's a history of wrongdoing there, and if you don't have any understanding of that walking into it, it's going to make your enjoyment of it much more difficult. Um, I think in lots of ways, it's really similar here, not quite to the same extent because the, you know, New Zealand is made up of two islands that are much bigger. And so I think the issues that they're facing are on more of a national level, whereas Hawaii, it's smaller islands. Everything is more scarce. All resources are more scarce, but you know, you come here and you know, people will expect that you take care of their land. Um, you know, the Maori people believe that the land is part of their identity. And um, when you consider the complicated history of colonialism and, and the fact that, you know, things are, things are still not perfect, there still isn't full reconciliation, and they're still fighting to get their land back, um, you don't want to show up and then be really inconsiderate and really disrespectful and, you know, disrespect the land that is part of their their culture and their their heritage and their identity. So I think that um, especially when you're going into nature and you're you're going into wildernesses, you know, think about that. Who did the land belong to? What does it look like to be a good occupant there? How can you be responsible? What what are the ways that you need to educate yourself, you know, about about that place? So um, that's a much bigger topic. 
um, that I don't know that much more about. But, um, but just something, you know, if you're going to Hawaii, if you're coming to New Zealand, if you're going to a nature reserve or, you know, national park, um, maybe just do some reading and, and read up on the indigenous peoples and, and on the history of the place and, and how to take really good care of it. Very good. I, I think even no matter where you go learning, and maybe this is speaking more to my interest, but just learning the history of it will yeah. probably enhance your experience more than anything I, yeah. i'm not sure how much better of a tourist it will make you in some cases but others it will mm-hmm. and and it will definitely help you gain an appreciation for certain landmarks or or what the people there have gone through or or i mean a number of different um positives can come from learning about the history of a place so uh and, and i think it's interesting i mean history is not everyone's favorite thing or subject but um but yeah it, it's usually pretty uh relative to the culture that you'll experience so yeah yeah 100 percent agree and you're saying don't buy mcdonald's at like every place in the world i mean i guess like if that's something that you really uh, need to feel validated as a traveler yeah just Every single meal? Right. McDonald's? Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> Woof. Um, um, McDonald's is expensive over here. If you ate McDonald's here for every meal, you wouldn't be able to afford your plane ticket back home. Gosh. Jeez. Like, that's terrible. I know. Um, no, <laughs> no I, I think uh, much like learning a, a place's history, eating the local food will make your experience better, too. Yeah. Um. Or uh, I can't really speak to souvenirs too much. I am not a souvenir person at all. But, but like, if you see someone selling, like, a, a handmade post uh, postcard on the street versus, like, buying it at the, at the big grocery store or wherever or, or the airport, like, buy it from the, the guy who handmade it on the street. Yeah. You might pay a few extra dollars for it. But maybe that's fine. or maybe it'll it's, be cheaper. Like not. honestly, yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and it's a lot more memorable in that instance yeah. too. I think yeah. so. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Now your your thoughts on buying local are spot on. I think, and again, not just important to them as a culture, but I, I think we'll. Pr- 99% of the time make your trip better. I mean, yeah. maybe there's a, a one-off where the food's not good or whatever. But for the most part, it's probably going to be better than any chain restaurant or any big brand souvenir that you're yeah. going to find. So It makes me think of, um, of Cuba with all of those restaurants that are just like people's homes. Mm-hmm. Like the relationships and the people that you will get to talk to and meet and hear stories from because you're choosing to engage with them instead of a big franchise. Like, yeah. that that can add a lot of significance and a lot of memory to your trip. Yeah, hmm. for sure. Yeah, I agreed. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think one of the... I don't, I don't have too much more on this. I, I don't know if you do, Shelby. But um, we go back to these very common sense things uh and, and maybe the 
biggest one for me in going to somewhere foreign when I'm already there is just reading signs. <laughs> not not yes. like not social cues, but like actual Physical literal signs. signs. <laughs> just being able to read them. And yeah. and noticing them when you pass them. Maybe you're reading as you're zooming by, but just read them. Like it's gonna it's gonna be helpful. Yeah. Um if anything I mean, if nothing, it's going to tell you where you are if you don't already know. <laughs> um, but more than likely, like you're, it'll give you a better sense of surrounding and will tell you what to do and what not to do. And sometimes reading signs is like a safety issue, which if you get yourself into trouble because you haven't read a sign and there are like emergency people that then have to take care of you, you're putting yourself in a situation where you're having to do that in a foreign country and probably pay for it. And also those people are then focused on you and like maybe someone else needs their help. So when we were in the hot pools up in Rotorua, the like the geothermic pools have a, a bacteria in the water that the water's really good for you. That's meant to be really healing. There's lots of minerals and things. But you're not meant to put your head underwater because there's um, there's a brain-eating bacteria that lives in the water. So if you dunk your head and it goes into your mouth, or your eyes, or your ears, or your nose, whatever, um, it could be a month later and then, like, it can kill you. And we were there and, like, we had been told about it by someone who had gone already. I had no clue. And then there were signs all over, whatever. Well, there was a group of kind of t- teenage, maybe early 20s, you know, young men in the pool that were, um, speaking another language were, um, you know, not locals and they kept putting their heads underwater. And because of the language barrier, like our group was trying to tell them like, don't do that. Um, and like pointing to signs and things and the language barrier was preventing them from understanding. And in the end, like it wasn't our job, it was the staff's job to you know, to kind of enforce that. Um, but that's actually, that's actually a safety issue. And yeah. it's not something you would know unless you read a sign or you went with someone who knew it already. So right. like, even if it takes a hot minute, pull out the Google translate and like read some signs. Right. Yeah. In most places, um, if, you, if you're an English speaker, which I, I don't know why you would be listening to this podcast if you don't speak English. Um, I don't think we're that far along. Please don't learn English from us. Please don't. All you're going to learn from um, me are swear words. I'm so sorry. Uh, but if you're an English speaker, we're fortunate enough to have most of the world cater to us. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like you said, Shelby, if, if you... Um, if you're at a place where they don't speak English and there's a ton of signs saying the same thing, definitely pull out the Google Translate uh-huh. and and figure out what's going on. Uh-huh. Um, it will it will pay off, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, more often than not, signage is very helpful and will again largely be in English, maybe in smaller writing than than the predominant language in whatever foreign country you're in, but will still probably be in English somewhere on the sign Mm -hmm. and um, is going to help you get to one where you need to go learn what you need to learn or or take off your shoes 
don't take pictures here. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't, I mean, it will, it will tell you the rules more often than not. If a place has rules, a sign is going to tell you those rules. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so, so be aware and, and signs usually, the great thing about signs, um, is they're usually not hard to miss. So just <laughs> just look around and and you should be able to spot them. Uh, yeah. Any yeah. Yeah. any other thoughts? I've got one more closing thought. Do you have anything else? No, I think that about that about sums it up for me. Uh, you kind of touched on this a little bit, but like, don't be afraid to. Uh, I'll rephrase it. You'll probably get embarrassed at some point. Mm. Um, I know I've been told not to, like I've taken a picture and and then was like, no, you can't take pictures there. That That's happened to me a few times. It's like, okay, I'll put my like, cool. my lens cap back on and, mm. and enjoy the place. Um, that's weirdly largely just happened at theme parks. But, <laughs> um, but, but like it, it's... It's something that happens. You're going to n- miss something along the way, mm-hmm. and and if someone tells you not to do something, then then like it's okay if you're a little embarrassed. Just just don't do it, and yeah. and move on. Like it's nothing against you. That's just the rules. And it's um, also nothing against the person telling you. Like they're probably no, no. just that's doing just their, their job. job. Yeah, yeah, that's that's just what they have to do. Like, and, please don't get upset with them. <laughs> like, it's yeah. probably just their job. Yeah, and and like that again. That's happened to me a few different places, and like I'll go out and make sure I didn't miss any signage, and, and immediately like apologize and make sure that like my flash wasn't on on the camera or anything. But but like it just happens sometimes. Yeah. You, you, there's no way of knowing sometimes places make announcements in a different language and mm-hmm. and there's no hand gestures to go with it and you just don't know yeah. um and and so again you follow social cues as best you can and but also try to enjoy it and and if you do something wrong then someone will tell you and then it'll be over and don't make it more than it is um yeah because yeah. that that's really all it is yeah i mean yeah. we all we all do things that um, we aren't supposed to, even if we don't know we're not supposed to. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. so, in recap, read signs, be flexible. It's okay if you get embarrassed when you make mistakes, just learn from it. Yeah, don't stress. Don't stress. Read the room, ask questions of locals. And do your research before you go. Yeah. They miss anything? More than, I don't think so. Uh, more than anything, just be there to have a good time and appreciate what you're seeing. And I, I think you're going to be pretty safe um, if you actually like respect what you're looking at and yeah. where you're, the place that you're going. Yeah. The people and that you're running into along the way. Treat the place like it's someone's home. Yeah. Yes. Not like yes. it's your playground. I mean, I take unless it's a literal good, playgr- yeah. playground. Yeah. Then I mean, playgrounds by all are means, great. You know, you got to take it. care of it. 
If you're in those, like, the ski slopes in that mall in Dubai, like, you go for it. (laughs) Oh, we gotta get to Dubai. Oh, we gotta get... We gotta get to Dubai. (laughs) Oh, Bono loves it there. Um, (laughs) Bono loves it. The trepidatious trip itineraries were episode 23 and 24. If you want to hear more about that, I think we talked quite a bit about uh, safety Mm -hmm. and... And, um, and also like ethical traveling in your episode. Yeah. Yeah. I think we talked a lot about, um, safety and how to prepare for that in episode 23 and then, uh, episode 24 and 25 are Egypt and Hong Kong. And and yeah, we kind of touched on both of those places and ethical travel, traveling and, and how to stay safe in Egypt and, and things like that. Um, Mm while talking about all of that so yeah um all right well we're, we're back it was yeah. a great time it was great uh, sp- speaking of itineraries we're hoping to do one for next week's episode we uh, are we we uh, yeah it's been a like shelby said it's been a year <laughs> it's been a wild year but uh-huh. we're hoping to do it so um Stay tuned for that. If not, we'll try to do something fun. So uh, you you have I that mean, to look forward we're to. We're always fun, Andrew. We're always a good time. Always. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thank you, Shelby. Oh, thank you, Andrew. And we will talk to you all soon. All right. Okay. Bye. Bye.